You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. This morning's reading is called Speak Your Truth by Trina Graves. We all experience life in our own unique way. No two people are alike in what they think, do, and say. From the moment of our birth, some would say even before, we absorb from those around us their beliefs. It builds our core. Our lives are molded and shaped by our experiences every day. Fueled by all those beliefs, unchallenged, they become our way. We all have a story to tell of the life we live and see. Guided by our beliefs and thought, we create our destiny. But some have limiting beliefs that can shrink their self-worth. Only one or two know their truth, hidden from the rest of the earth. Others have tried to share, but faced ridicule and jest, bruised and battered by remarks their truth no longer expressed. We can learn from one another, others' experiences we can take, and mull over to decide, will they enhance the life we make? So listen to everyone, tell their stories on their path. Forget those that make you cringe, remember what makes you laugh. Often it takes a hard knock to open our path's true door. Disease, breakup, death, can awaken us to much more. Or sometimes just one thing happens that blows our mind, changing forever our future path, limiting beliefs we leave behind. Those near-death experiences, past life recalls and even dreams can bring important messages, much more than at first seems. Encountering other forms of life, ascended masters, angels, spirits too, Cosmic beings or just a UFO brings true awareness into view. We are now in a special time. It's been called the new age. Darkness is being overpowered and the light will turn the page. Onwards, we will all unite, sharing our truth from our heart. Bringing love and light to all is a very good place to start. Speak your truth of love. Speak your truth of light. Speak your truth of sensing. Speak your truth of sight. This reading was Speak Your Truth by Trina Graves. What does it mean to tell the truth? That's a question for you. spend all day talking about that, couldn't we? All week, maybe the rest of our lives. Telling the truth is a curiosity that we're hearing a lot about these days, I imagine. We live in an age of what's called alternative facts, denying what is obvious of self-appointed experts. Sometimes emotions and opinions surmount what is truthful or factual. And then there's that word too, fact. Truth, fact. Sometimes separate sometimes apart. 
sometimes the same thing. That's a debate for another day. We'll keep our focus on the question, what is truth? If you grew up in a Christian tradition, that's a famous question there. Pontius Pilate asking that before he sentenced Jesus of Nazareth to death. What is truth? Take a philosophy class and you'll leave it with a proclamation on your heart. Truth is subjective or truth is objective. Truth is something. In our everyday language, it boils down to whether we're being truthful or being honest about this or that. In a religious community like this, truth goes a little deeper. In many Christian churches, truth with a capital T implies a very specific understanding of the Christian story. In some areas of Jewish thought, truth is anything that serves God. In Buddhism, there's the Four Noble Truths, comments on our life as it is. In Unitarian Universalism, there's the Fourth Principle that speaks of a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. It seems religion is wrapped up in this truth business. But looking at a mere handful of examples, truth is not a singular thing. So what is truth? How do we tell it? And what is there in it for us? Is there more to this truth-telling business than combating dishonesty and wading into factual debates? I don't know about you, but I know right now I'd love nothing more than to go on a tear about our post-truth world. I think a lot of us would enjoy that. It'd feel very cathartic. Just let it out. Mainly because there is such a denial of both facts and truth across political and social spectrums. It is overwhelming. And it gets even more interesting and overwhelming, and some might say despairing, when we consider our own place in that ecosystem. How are we a part of it? I guarantee some of us have been, and it never feels good to realize such a thing. But it's the water we're swimming in right now. Now, fear not, I don't think all of us in this room are destroying the fabric of society. That's not what we're talking about. This is a mindful group of people. And we have it within us to take stock of how we engage social media, the news, opinions versus facts, our emotions, and so on. We need not wallow in any guilt this morning. But the best thing I would contend in our culture right now is to take a long, hard look at our relationship with truth. Some of you might wonder, Unitarian Universalists love subjectivity. We are not a capital T truth kind of people. And you would be right to say that. But I also believe there's another way. Or rather, I'm working on believing in another way to steward truth. Once upon a time, as the stories always go, there was a wizard who lived in a far country. Once upon a time, in the deep forest, there was a poor wood chipper and his wife. Once upon a time, a deep sleep fell upon the kingdom and palace, and spiders spun their webs like silver curtains across all the windows in the throne room. Once upon a time, the stars were particularly beautiful one night, and a child was born in the hills of Bethlehem. Once upon a time, there was a dark lord who fashioned a ring of power. Once upon a time this, and once upon a time that, and this and that. How did we get to once upon a time from talking about truth, you might wonder. 
Theologian Frederick Beekner, in his book Telling the Truth, the Gospel as Comedy, Tragedy, and Fairy Tale, offers a compelling understanding of truth as it relates to his faith tradition, but also as it relates to life in general. When was the last time you considered truth as something comedic, tragic, and in the realm of fairy tales? And this is, of course, referring to the art forms of comedy, tragedy, and fairy tale, not as an insult. Oh, that's a, that's a joke, right? For Beekner, it is squarely in those three realms, and it is inseparable. This is the truth that I'm trying to warm up to. It's a truth that lifts itself above the shouting and fighting and the lines in the sand. It's a truth that invites us into a deep reflection, a truth that asks us only to bring ourselves, our imaginations, our hopes, our dreams. For Beekner, he uses the Christian Gospels, but also King Lear, The Wizard of Oz, Fantasties by George MacDonald, The Lord of the Rings by Tolkien, he uses stories like these so we can reflect on how truth is at once comedic, tragic, and invites us into the impossible. Now this might sound a little ridiculous, but this is where he's going with this. Truth for Beekner is not about arriving at a singular destination. It's not about, as some fund fundamentalist traditions would say, accepting Jesus and only Jesus, or accepting Muhammad and only Muhammad, or this or that. No singular focus. But it is about how we orient ourselves to the journey of life. For Beekner, it becomes a spiritual discipline. We find ourselves in this world of ours, living our lives filled with joy and sorrow, trial and tribulation, success and failure aplenty, and we are tasked with making sense of it every single day. With all of that, Reverend Beekner begins with silence, spiritual silence. He says that it is there in the silence that truth not only dwells but makes itself known. Anyone who's been to a silent retreat or practices Zen or even secular mindfulness, if you've done it with sincerity, you know what comes to the surface in that silence. Sometimes it's things you never imagined about yourself, or sometimes it's things you thought were long buried. Silence has a way of breaking open parts of us in transformational ways. And so, truth begins with silence. Beekner calls it a truth that is in silence. And we, lucky us, are tasked with being hearers of that silent truth before it ever becomes words. Now, Beekner's book is primarily directed toward preachers. How do we preach the truth that we discover in the silence? Even though our very words might distort it. Those of you with a Zen background know this well. To speak about your enlightenment in Buddhism is to miss the mark. The moment you speak it, you've lost it. But to not speak it is to lose it too. So figure that out. Do what you will with that. <laughs> For Beekner, this is part of the comedy of truth. What the heck do we do with it if we can't speak it, but we must speak it at the same time? And speak it we must. Think of the last time you gave yourself space to simply be in silence. What was your goal for that? What came up? What did you discover about yourself, the world, your life? What did you learn about what's happening? All the things that are racing through your mind. Sometimes what we find cannot immediately be put into words. That's what Beekner is talking about. A silence that can't immediately be spoken. 
So our homework today is to go home, find a moment of silence, let something emerge, anything. What is it? Is it the unsettled feeling that you have, that many of us have about our democracy, anti-science rhetoric, the climate crisis, racism, the invasion of Ukraine? Is it something hopeful and emerging, joy, contentment? Most days, I don't quite know how to put those things into words. It's just right there and right here. Not lingering, but also not quite dominant. It's just there. Beekner recognizes that we cannot dwell only in silent spaces that would abdicate our responsibilities to this life, which is for him where the fantastical comes into play, where fairy tales, stories, myths, legends come into play. For Beekner, the Gospels, the core scriptures of the Christian tradition, his tradition, are grand fairy tales. Why? Not because they're completely impossible, but because they invite us to imagine an impossible world. And we are asked to be childlike in our wonder, our curiosity, and our imagination. Once upon a time, our imaginations took us to places wild, untamed, magical, and always there is a quest that will tip the balance in favor of the good, should it be completed. Elements of comedy and tragedy are infused in every fairy tale. Not everyone has a happily ever after. The tragedy is that we often leave that out of the story. The evil masquerade is good. The good are often the downtrodden, unlikely heroes that bumble along. There is the comedy. And it's not just the Gospels we're dealing with here. Though I think as far as what Beekner's getting at, they are a perfect example. The grand narrative of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, what shepherds and wise men, all oh, the pageantry, a shining star, choirs of angels, only for his parents to look at him and go, look at this haughty kid teaching in the temple. Who do you think you are? <laughs> As a grown man, dirty, dressed in rags, an itinerant preacher wandering from city to city, and his own priests and teachers would look at him and go, you are the one who was sent. You. And the climax of the story, the crucifixion, but the joke is on the hearers of the story. There's more to tell. Something unbelievable happens, and hope and light endure. Whatever your relationship is with that story, you can see how it applies to any wisdom tale that we tell, that human beings continue to tell. Time and time again, no matter what is happening, grand stories emerge that bring us along through the comedic, the tragic, and the impossible. Once upon a time, the unlikeliest of people did something wondrous, and we hear it again and again. In these tales, these stories that we tell, that show us what is possible with the truths we discover. But in order to get there, we need to recognize something. We need to realize that once upon a time, it's not that far off. Have you ever noticed how most of our enduring fairy tales, our stories, our myths, begin humbly and just within our reach? Phantasmes by George MacDonald begins in a bedroom. The Chronicles of Narnia in a wardrobe. Harry Potter in a suburban home. The Lord of the Rings in a place of peace and comfort. The Wizard of Oz on a farm in Kansas. The Gospels in the hills of Palestine. It's not a far stretch to say once upon a time in the bluegrass. So the big question is always, so what? Should we start believing these stories to be factual? No. But are they true? As long as human beings are moved to transformation, yes. These worlds of fairy tale and story and myth are often said to be too good to be true. 
but you also hear that right here in this moment with our values, our dreams as Unitarian Universalists. Too good to be true. And so we rationalize, we water down, we excuse the too good to be true portions. We doubt it to the point of not being left with much to hold on to. So Beekner has this to say. Here and there he writes, and not just in books, we catch glimpses of a world of once upon a time and they lived happily ever after, a world where there is a wizard to give courage and a heart, an angel with a white stone that has written on it our true and secret name, and it is so easy to dismiss it as hardly worth bothering to do. It is sentimentality, we say. It is wishful thinking. It is escapism. It is dodging the issue and whistling in the dark and childish, we'll say. And amen, we have to say to the whole cheerless litany, because there is not one of us who does not know it by heart. But also, there is not one of us either who does not know that all these things are part of the truth or are the truth. But if the world of the fairy tale and our glimpses of it here and there are only a dream, they are one of the most haunting and powerful dreams that the world has ever dreamed. And no world more than our current one. For Beekner, the fairy tale, the grand adventure, the fantastical, the myth, gives voice to the truths we find in silence. To the unsettling, hopeful, life-changing truths we discover. It's as the French poet Arthur Rimbaud once wrote, A thousand dreams within me softly burn. And when we turn to the fantastical, those softly burning dreams ignite ever more brightly. This is an invitation to not lose ourselves in these fairy tales, these myths, these stories, but rather to reorient ourselves to what's possible. To turn away from the pull of this world, a pull that wants us to say what is not possible, and to focus only on what is lost, and to lose hope, and to engage the world instead with wonder, curiosity, and dreams of our own. Imagine what we could do if we reoriented our lives this way. If we took a moment to listen to our own hearts beating, to find what truths are emerging, and to live out those dreams as impossible as they sound. For a church like ours, instead of always talking about strict budgets and what we cannot do, we'd look at what we have, the abundance that is already present, that is real, and talk about what we can do, what we hope, and how we will get there. That's a fairy tale I want to keep telling here. Once upon a time, the small and mighty UU Church of Lexington accomplished something marvelous again and again, and they all lived happily ever after. For justice work, we'd stop losing our resolve in the face of these trying times and take notice of how people always are mobilizing, how communities are remaining resilient in the face of constant injustice, and remember that our world has seen evil and conquered it time and time again. Once upon a time, good-hearted people didn't give in to cynicism, passivity, or apathy, and change the world. For the climate crisis, we confront the hard facts of what we are about to face and look at how we will, as a species, adapt. Once upon a time, people still loved this earth. For our democracy, we will protect the right to vote as if our very lives depended on it. Once upon a time, we all had a voice and will continue to have a voice. The fantastical, the improbable, the too good to be true, the once upon a time, 
is not far from our reach. Once upon a time in a sanctuary just like this, a great story emerged. I pray that these hopes, these dreams, are what we discover in our silent moments. It may take a lifetime to get there. <laughs> That's always the asterisk for everything, right? Or several generations. But still, it's always just there, beckoning, beckoning to us, asking us to not lose hope. So maybe that's what it's really about. Maybe that's the religious truth here. There is a hope that cannot be diminished if only we keep wondering, keep journeying, keep imagining this world of ours anew. I look forward to hearing what you discover in the silence. Dreams that burn softly and brightly on your heart. May it be so. Blessed be. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.